So today we're pausing in Ecclesiastes. If you have your Bibles, you can op- open up to, uh, to Romans uh, this morning. I traded in my water this morning for a Coca-Cola. It just seemed really good. So <laughs> happy Father. That's how I'm celebrating. There we go. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> um, so I-, I wanted to pause in Ecclesiastes and-, and just take this opportunity to talk missions. As-, as was said earlier, this is the Schmaltz's last Sunday with us before they head to Cameroon. So we're going to pray for them at the end. But um, as Kayla mentioned, there are people in the world that still have not heard about Jesus. They've not heard his name. And estimates that I've read are somewhere between like 2.7 million or 2.7 billion and 3 billion people who, who have not heard yet about Jesus. And there was a man in the 70s, uh, Ralph Winters, I won't give you his story, but he came up with the, the, the term unreached people group to help us understand that, um, that it, it, it's not just about geographical places like the church and missions agencies. We're seeing uh, countries and going, oh, they're reached. But, but then we realize, no, there's tons of people, tons of unique people groups, different languages, different cultures, different beliefs that have not heard at all about Jesus. So I want to show you a couple different maps here. So um, this map helps us see the parts of the world that that have been reached. All these dots are people groups, okay? There's about 17,000 people groups. Uh, The red, I don't know if you can read it, but on the far left side there, that's unreached, right? And then there's like a scale, minimally reached. Um, superficially reached and it goes on up. So you see North America, like people have been reached there, South America, South Africa, but then we see this large swath of red. This next map will go into, this zooms in to India, okay? Um, tons and tons of unreached people groups. This next map I found, and I was so confused at first, this is the, this is the world, um, but what they did was they, they, they took it proportionally for unreached people groups. So up in the left there, that's North America, right? There, there's access to the gospel. You see the big fat one, that is India, where tons and tons, millions of people have not heard about Jesus. There's no one there, not enough to tell them. Romans 15, 20, this is what Paul says. He says, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. And he goes on, I won't have this slide up here, but he goes on, he says, this is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you, right? He wants to visit them, but he says, I've been hindered because my ambition is to go and preach in the, in the places to the people that have not heard. And then he says, but now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I've lost to come for many years. He's going to come to them, but he's saying, the places I've been, there are now people, right? He preached the gospel. People would respond to the gospel. He would, he'd make disciples who would make disciples, this, this multiplying. He'd start a church, and that church would, would, would grow and get healthy enough that it could plant other churches. And then Paul would move on. He'd move on to another place where they had not heard. He'd preach the gospel. People respond. He plants a church that can plant churches. He'd go on and on and on. And this is the ambition that drove him. He, he longed to tell people 
about Jesus who'd never heard about Jesus. One of our other missionaries, uh, David Hull, David, David and Jera were here this last summer, and he shared with us that when he learned about unreached people groups and he started reading, he looked at the map and he saw India, and, and it was just logic to him. He just thought, there's tons, tons of people there who have never heard. Of course, that's where we need to go. Paul knew that, that when, when he preached that there would be some that would respond. Kayla read from Revelation 7, 9, 10, this picture of all these people, too many to count from every tongue and tribe, people of all languages that, that would respond to Jesus. We, we, we need to remember that people will respond. This is a given, that there will be some who trust in Jesus from every people group, all 17,000. And, and maybe, I've talked to some people about people groups, and, and to some degree it is a man-made thing. We're trying to figure things out. It's not perfect at all. There's lots of discussions about that right now in the missions world, but it helps us understand. It helps us understand what's, what's left to be done, who needs to be reached. It helps us get a target. So this is Paul's God-glorifying ambition. And mainly we're talking about missions today, but I do want to ask you, what is your God-glorifying ambition? Right? Global missions is something that every Christian needs to be a part of, but God also nuances our hearts for, for his kingdom. So for some of you, maybe this is about helping people strengthen marriages. God's put that on your heart as marriages are falling apart left and right in our country and even within the church. For others of you, your heart beats for the people in your neighborhood. I know we have people in our church that have started Bible studies with people that don't know really much about the Bible at all so they can introduce them to Jesus. There are ministries that people have started for single mothers, uh, people in prison and their families. Uh, there are ministries to, to people that deal with addictions, like God gives us these, these hearts, these ambitions. So where did Paul get his ambition? Well, obviously, it's from God. Paul had a, a personal encounter with, with Christ on this road to Damascus. God blinds him and tells him, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you? I'm Jesus. He tells him, you're going to go preach to the Gentiles, but Paul here doesn't, he doesn't reference that part in Romans 15. What he, what he does is he quotes from Isaiah, he says, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. I think Paul sets a, a good um, uh, example here for us. He shows us how God did this in him, right? He had an encounter with Jesus, and then he was in God's word. And God's word shaped him. And uh, Kayla shared some of those things as well, how God's word had shaped her uh, in the perspectives class that we keep talking about. Like this, is a, this, is, this isn't just a harvest thing. This is a thing all over the globe that people are learning about what God's doing um, globally on mission. And, and they use the scripture to shape our hearts. So um, we encounter Jesus um, and yeah, probably not like Paul. I don't think any of us were blinded on the road to like Safeway or something. Um, and, and, and he tells us to preach. But we, we do have a radical encounter with Jesus where he, he saves us. We believe in him. We call on him and are saved. And then Christians, we need God's word because we need God's word to shape our hearts and our ambition. Otherwise, our ambitions will, will not be God glorifying. They'll be, they'll be uh, self-glorifying. Right? We need God to shape our hearts. One of the men that did that was William Carey. He's the father of modern missions. Um, he, he came to Christ as a young man. He was a blacksmith apprentice. 
uneducated. I, I love how she shared. She's just normal. The people on her team are just normal. She met other missionaries, just normal people. William Carey, he was just a blacksmith apprentice, right? Totally uneducated, but he loved to read. He ends up becoming a pastor. There's this uh, regular gathering of pastors where they, they would come together to encourage one another, kind of a, a roundtable discussion. One of them would pose a question, and they would discuss it. So one time in uh, 1785, he was asked, hey, w- would, you, would you pose the question for us to discuss? And he was thinking about Matthew 28, 19, and 20, as Kayla read for us, the Great Commission. And, and he asked his fellow pastors, was the Great Commission just for the original apostles, Or is this actually for every generation of the church, for every Christian? And he was scolded by an old pastor, this curmudgeon of a pastor. And he kind of reamed him in front of everyone. They they did not discuss that question because it was assumed that this was just for the original apostles. Well, in 1792, seven years later, as he continues in God's word, he ends up writing basically his manifesto on missions. And he was asked that year to preach at um, an, another pastor's gathering, this like association gathering. He preached from Isaiah, and he argued that it was the obligation of the church to take the gospel to foreign lands, and he urged them to start a missionary society. So that day, 12 pastors came together, and they started a missionary society. I have to share the name with you because it just cracks me up. The name is the Particular Baptist Society for Propagating the Gospel among the heathen, right? So there's some good news here. Um, apparently the name of your ministry does not matter, and, and you, can, you can still be God-honoring. They did later shorten it to the Baptist Missionary Society, but that, that cracked me up. So he wasn't uh, just uh, someone starting a missionary society, though. He, he ended up going to India. Um, he was challenged uh, by, by the words of another pastor uh, as they were talking about um, just the, the, the fertile ground that, that India might be for the gospel. This other pastor said, There is a gold mine in India, but it seems as deep as the center of the earth. Who will venture to explore it? Carrie responded, I will go down, but remember that you must hold the rope. And I love this. I was talking to uh, Kayla's pastor at the well, CJ Coffee, and he told me how, how uh, as a church, what they do with their missionaries, they call them rope teams, right? They got people holding the rope for their missionaries. They're, they're, they're to support them. They're to help them. So they have these little teams, I think like three to six people maybe, and they, they, they message like whenever she's got something to pray for, she's on, I'm guessing, WhatsApp, messaging her little group, and they know right away how to pray. They, 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 uh, they contact them like through Skype and through other means and email, regular communication to, to support them spiritually. They're praying for them. They're praying over the work that they do. They're supporting them emotionally, but Church, it's, it's our job to be, to hold that rope. Not all of us will go overseas, but all of us are to hold that rope for our overseas workers. Um, our friend Jonathan Martin, you might remember him from several months ago, he came and shared with us um, about missions. He, he told me a story. Um, he was in northeastern Uganda. He sent me the, um, the coordinates for it so I could look it up uh, on Google Earth. And it was, uh, I'm talking boonies, middle of nowhere. Um, so he, he, he's going to this place, and it was a place that uh, for 20 years, uh, it, it had just been plagued with this internal tribal conflict, super dangerous place. So um, 
in order to get in there safely, they had to be in a caravan with an army escort. So uh, like the front vehicle, and I imagine like a Humvee, I don't know for sure, but front vehicle, he said, had a gun turret on it, right? A turret that could just take care of any, any problems. Same thing in the back of the caravan in order to get them in there safely. He, uh, he said that once things were secure, they, uh, they went into the restaurant of the village um, and it was no electricity, no running water, dimly lit. They've just got some tables, some rickety chairs, candles on it. Uh, they just killed the chicken out back to make the meal for them, bring in the food. Uh, Jonathan said it might have been a good thing that it was so dimly lit. They're, they're eating this food, um, enjoying this meal, kind of getting their bearings. And he said he was shocked as a man walked in the room. He, he couldn't believe it. He was carrying Coca-Cola. Right? In, in this little remote place, Coca-Cola had beat Christians with the gospel to get this there. Coca-Cola has, has made it everywhere on this planet. Right? I, I looked it up. There, there's some places where it's illegal, <laughs> but they still made it there. Everyone knows about Coca-Cola. Everyone has access to Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola's done what Jesus told us to do with the gospel to go and proclaim the good news, right? That, that Jesus died for us, that he defeated death, he rose from the grave, he ascended to be with the Father, and that one day he's coming back. Right? Paul tells us that, that we went from being children of wrath to if, if we receive him as our Lord and Savior, we become adopted as his children. Paul, Romans 10, 14. Let's turn there. I love it. Um, I love it when someone explains stuff real simple because that's how I need it, and I feel like that's what Paul does here. I'm actually going to read first verse 13, which will not be on the screen. Um, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then this is what he says. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So Paul explains this chain or or these steps that are necessary for someone to come to salvation. He he says it backwards, so I'm going to take in the other order. Um, Or he he says in reverse order. I'll I'll go that way first. He, uh, um, he, He starts with, how are they going to call, right? How will they believe? If it, how are they going to call if they haven't believed? And he takes it backwards. So let me, let me take it from this way. People have to be sent in order for someone to preach. People have to preach in order for someone to hear the gospel. People have to hear the gospel in order to believe. And people have to believe the gospel in order to call on Jesus and be saved. So David Platt asks, where's the weak link in this chain? Like, where can this fall apart? Okay, let's go one at a time here. So people who believe in Jesus will call on him. That's definite. He says that in verse 13, right? They'll, they'll call and be saved. So it's not that link. And, and we know from Revelation 7, 9, and 10 that there will be some from every tribe and tongue that, that will respond, that will believe once they hear. So, so we know that there will be some for sure that when they hear the gospel, they'll respond. So it's not that link. People will hear the gospel if it's preached. That might be the easiest link at all, right? Unless you're preaching to no one, 
people will hear what you are preaching. So that will happen. So the last link is this. People preach that are sent, and this is where it can fall apart. If the church isn't sending, the gospel will not be preached, and people will not hear about Jesus. If they don't hear, they can't believe. If they don't believe, they will not call and will not be saved. So the church must send. If we aren't figuring out how to send people, then people will not respond to Christ. So we know, we know this isn't just something that God did in Kayla. Right? We know that God will raise up people to send, will raise up people to preach. So here's a simple question. Would you go? And I know when I say that, there's 20 reasons not to go, right? All of us aren't called to go. But set those reasons aside for a moment. And just you and the Lord, if he called you, would you go? If God put this on your heart, would you be willing to go? Parents, what if God put it on your kid's heart? As they encounter Christ, as they sit in God's word, as he develops their heart for people to hear about the good news that the Savior's come into the world and died the death that we deserve to die, rose from the dead, as they want to tell that, as they yearn to tell that for people, to people, maybe even on another continent, how would you feel? Would you support them? Would you import your list of reasons why you shouldn't go for why they shouldn't go? For me, it comes down to, do I trust my reasons and plans for my kids more than God's? Now, all of us won't go, um, but all of us are called, like I said, to hold that rope. I, I love that image, to be a part of going. So several years ago, I, I realized that a massive weakness in my walk with Jesus was a heart for mission. So I, I decided to take that perspectives class. I'd, I'd known about it for a decade. And I decided I need to take it. It's 14 weeks long. It is a big commitment. It's phenomenal. I've never had someone take that class that said, yeah, that wasn't worth it. It stirred my heart just like I wanted it to, but I want to give you a couple quick application pieces. If you heard, like, man, we're talking missions, and you're like, oh, man. Or if you know missions is important, but your heart isn't really there, I just want to give you a couple things. Here's a shot of our website. If you go to our website and go to missions, I want you to watch these two videos. The first one is about unreached people groups. It'll just help you learn a little bit, wrap your head around it. The next one is uh, six ways uh, to reach God's world. And it's simple. It just lays out these ways. Learn. Learn about missions. Learn what God's doing globally. Learn what needs to be done. Pray. Pray for missionaries. Pray for people groups. Pray for unreached places. Go. That's pretty obvious. Uh, send. Help send people. Welcome people. Uh, we live in a day and an age where there are people coming from other nations. There are actually people from unreached people groups coming to us, whether it's for school or, or they're immigrating here, the refugees, whatever. Like we have an opportunity to welcome people that are here with the gospel and then mobilize. Um, another way that I think we can stir our hearts is uh, I would encourage you, the next book you read, Make it a book on missions. Uh, I've, I've ordered some books that'll be here hopefully soon that, that I'm going to distribute. But I would challenge you to read a book about missions. Read how God stirred someone's heart through his word to, to go and, and preach the gospel. Um, if you're a podcaster, I just found a podcast this last week uh, by the International Mission Board. I just looked it up on, uh, on iTunes. It's called Missions History. Uh, listen to that. Really, really good if you aren't directly giving to a missionary, start doing that. Right? My guess is most of the room 
we're investing in, in a 401k or, or a Roth IRA or something like that. We're, we're investing money monthly uh, that we will, it'll be gone after retirement, right? Uh, invest in the kingdom. Invest eternally. Uh, Kayla didn't even share this, but you still have support to raise, right? Yeah, um, like 400, 300 a month? 330 approximately, yeah, 330 a month. Um, man, pray about supporting her. We have other, other missionaries that need uh, support as well. Let me pray, and, uh, and we're, we're going to sing. We're going to take communion in a moment. I feel like I kind of blitzed through that, and I apologize for that, but I, I just want to pray that our hearts, that God would hold our hearts, that God would tell us what our ambitions are. Jesus, we love you, Lord. God, I'm, uh, I'm blown away that we get to know you, that, that, that you, you came and died for my sin. You came and died for our sin, Jesus, so that we could be made right with you, so that we could be forgiven. But you didn't just stop there, Lord. You, you want us to actually know you and be in this relationship with you. And, and my guess is that's a part of why it's, um, in a lot of ways, easy for Kayla to go and tell people about you, Jesus, because it's this beautiful relationship, Lord, where we were made right with our Creator. And we're, we're in the relationship that we were intended to be in. Lord, we pray. Uh, we pray for all of our missionaries, Lord. I thank you for each and every one of them that has responded to that call, Lord. God, I pray for our hearts. Lord, would you help us to be better as a church at supporting the people that, that, we, that we're a part of sending, Lord? God, I also pray that, that you would shape our ambitions, Lord, that you would give us God-honoring ambitions, God, that, that our hearts would be yours because we're in your word, and, and, and as we're in your word, we're, we're just like, um, like, like clay in the potter's hands, and you're shaping us however you want to, Lord. I pray for anyone in the room that, that maybe, maybe for the first time or maybe for years they've thought about missions, but maybe they thought, man, that's for super Christian. Lord, it's not. It's for super God. We know that, Lord. Uh, I pray, uh, Lord, we, we lay our, our list down at your feet. And all of our reasons to not do whatever it is, not even just missions, but, but all the things that we tell you, no, we shouldn't do that because of this or that. Lord, will you help us to lay those at your feet and actually trust you as our Lord? Jesus, um, we love you, God. We are grateful for you. We're grateful that you loved us enough to come and die for us and defeat death. May we be a people that worship you, that honor you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.